Can we clap hands for the worship team as we thank them? Thank you so much. Good morning, family. You may take your seat. It is so good to see you. But I'm so happy to see you, beautiful people. Good morning. Are you happy to be here? Are you sure? All right. A few people are on holiday, but I'm so glad that some of you are still in Polokwane and others are back from some holiday. Amen. We've been busy with a theme called Same God, Different Seasons this, Feb this March. Yo, March is almost over and I'm still talking about February. And I think it's been good. For me, it's been very good. Um, it's amazing how the theme New Dawn can be stretched and stretched and stretched. When we were launching the theme, I thought, how long are we going to be speaking about this topic? And we're in March and we're still speaking about new something. Amen. I wonder when you saw the theme for today, what came to your mind? New faith. Like how, faith, how new can faith get? Isn't faith faith? You may be wondering. And faith is faith. But the question is, where is your faith this morning? If we had to have a barometer, a gauge, you know, like your petrol tank, where is your faith tilting on this morning? Are we caught a, are the lights on? Reserve? Where is it this morning? That's just the mindset that I want us to have as we are going through God's word this morning. Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So our theme scripture is from Isaiah 43 verse 13 today. It says, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wasteland. I've read the scripture so many times, and I'm sure you also have. At least this year alone. You've heard it, you've heard it, and you're probably tired of hearing it. But you're going to hear it again today. And our emphasis this morning is on see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? If you know anything about me, you know that when it comes to matters of seeing, I'm very passionate, right? <laughs> I deal with sight. And anything that has to do with sight, yeah, I could spend all day and all night talking about sight, but I'm not talking about that sight today, although I hope that sight is okay. I have to throw it out there for free. So now, as I was reading the scripture, I thought, wow, it's very scary sometimes when you cannot see. It's very scary sometimes when you cannot see. And I don't know how your, your vision, your physical vision is doing. But if you've ever gone for an eye test and they present some letters before you and the optometrist or the doctor says, what do you see? You know that you're expected to see something, right? But how scary is it if you cannot see and the person is saying, what do you see? Just imagine it. Imagine there are letters there. And then they say, what do you see? So what letters do you see? And all of a sudden you're like, we normally say to people, close one eye first. 
we check one eye. Close the other eye, we check the other eye. And then you find a person doing this. And then they want to open this eye because just in case <laughs> this one is not seeing the thing, maybe this one will show up. It's a very scary thing. And for me, when I was looking at the scripture, I thought, when you hear of something new, what, what, how do you feel? Do you feel scared? For me, change is scary. Change can be very scary. You know, if, if they say for argument's sake, we have a new pastor. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm getting too real. <clears throat> ah, I have water. I don't know what you have, but it's scary. If you go to office, though, your office, and they say you have a new boss, it's scary. Right? A new president. <laughs> it's scary because you don't know what to expect. You know, if you've ever been a new mom, it's scary. You go home and suddenly there's this, this little thing that you have to keep alive. <laughs> it's scary. And new things are very scary. Change is scary. I'm terrified of change. It's so scary that sometimes I prefer not to even do anything. So that if it flops, I can easily say, I, Andes, I was not there, I don't know. Give me zero, make me absent. So we rather not engage because we are scared of what will come out of this thing. And if it goes wrong, you feel like, okay, I flopped. Now it's not that thing that failed, it becomes you who failed. But as I read the scripture, I also came to a place where I realized that some things need to be replaced. Amen. Imagine if you had a car and once the tire is flat, the car cannot move. You have a big machine. Only the tire is wrong, but you're stuck. The car suddenly cannot work. It's better to replace the tire. Am I right? You get a new tire so that life goes on. And I thought this is what God is implying in the scripture. I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. Do you know what a wilderness is? It's dry. It's uncultivated, uninhabited, and the dictionary actually uses the word inhospitable. It is not conducive for life and sometimes even plants. That is a wilderness. And when you read the scripture, it says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. A pathway says that I will walk before you in that wilderness so that you can see where I have walked. And then there is direction. Amen. We are going to talk about seeing. But seeing is not the problem, is it? Because if I ask you to reflect on the past, you see it very clearly. Am I right? Amen. Are you still with me? So seeing is not the problem. I see you, right? I can tell you what I see. 
I see my past. I see the choices I've made. I see the mistakes I've made. I see the people I've hurt, hopefully. Because sometimes that's difficult to see. I see where I am right now, and it's not exactly where I had planned to be. I see what's happening around me. <laughs> I see the storm brewing. Sometimes in my workplace, in my family, marriage, I see. So seeing is not really the issue. The question is, what am I seeing? Seeing what? Because it's so easy to see or to be focused on the thing that we are not supposed to be focused on. And that is why God is saying, I have already began, do you not see it? Because it means we are looking at something, but maybe we are not looking at what we should be looking at. So what are we seeing? Am I seeing this new thing? <laughs> what is this new thing? Are you still with me? Seeing is not the issue. If you look at the picture there, oh, it's not so clear. But there's a picture of a braille, um, somebody reading braille. Do you know what braille is? It's, it's how um, the blind people, I'm not sure if I'm being politically correct when I say blind. <laughs> Uh, visually impaired, I should know better, right? <laughs> How the visually impaired people read, they read braille. So they have to feel it with their fingertips. They are taught to read with their fingertips. And then I've got a picture there of, of a pair of glasses on a visual acuity chart. And I thought, you know, when you look at the past, it's clearer. When you look at the future, Sometimes we feel like we are walking blind. It feels like you're reading Braille. And if you don't know how to read Braille, that will mean nothing to you. So if we cannot see what God is doing, the question is, why not? What is stopping us from seeing what God is doing? What is blurring our vision, if I can put it that way? And today I want to share with you a few thoughts that I think will help you identify where you are, or what is causing your blurry vision. Amen. The first one I want to draw your attention to is fear. Fear. Fear is a real thing. Amen. Christian or not, born again or not, spirit-filled or not, fear is a real thing. And for us to pretend that fear doesn't exist, we are lying. Lying to ourselves, in fact. And the story of Gideon comes to mind when I think about fear. And it's, it's, it's two chapters, and I thought there's no way we're going to read two chapters in one service. So I want to encourage you to go read it at home. I'm going to give you context. Amen. So the children of Israel had been terrified and troubled and disturbed by the Midianites. So they were hidden in a cave somewhere. And every time the Midianites will come, they will come and take over. They will come and destroy, they will come and ruin everything that the Israelites had. And here is Gideon hiding in a threshing floor. And an angel appears to him and says, mighty man of valor. And Gideon is like, 
He's looking. Who's this angel talking to? And the angel was referring to him. And then he's like, I, I think you got the wrong address. <laughs> Who? Me? Oh, okay, no. But let's hear what you have to say anyway. I'm paraphrasing the scripture. Hey, don't go and you are the Berean church. Go and read for yourself. But I'm not a false prophet. Amen. Tatimatebula warned me this morning when he stood here and said, many will preach false things. I thought, gang, gang. <laughs> on any day but today. <laughs> anyway, so Gideon was fearful because now the angel is saying to him, God is going to use you to fight against the Midianites. And he's saying, who, me? Yes, you. I know, not me, but I need a sign. Have you ever read the story of Gideon? Gideon encourages me because Gideon is not afraid to ask God for proof. Sometimes you need to ask for proof. <laughs> Sometimes you need to say, ah, God, if this is you, you're going to have to prove it. And the things that Gideon asked God to do, they were very strange. Like, okay, I'm going to put cotton here. I don't want water on this cotton. I want water around the cotton. And he goes, he comes back, there's water around the cotton. There's no water on the cotton. He's like, oh, oh okay. He goes, he comes back, he's like, okay, no, I... I this could have happened coincidentally. So let's do it the other way around. I want the cotton wet. Everywhere around it should be dry. Guess what? It happened. It's like, how? Okay, so God, this is really you. And sometimes we play that game with God, right? If this is you, let a phone call come from Auspalis. Confirming the script. Auspalis calls. You know this morning, sissy, the word... Rebellion came to my and I'm like, oh God, oh, 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 no, 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 no. But I'm not rebellious, but he has already confirmed it. Right? This morning, guess what? There were two things that confirmed God's word this morning. The scripture that Ntatimatebula shared before the one he planned to share. He did not know what was chasing him. But there was a, it, it's tied to what I'm about to share now about wastelands and wilderness. And how God is changing the wilderness. Is that not what he read? No longer will you be called a wasteland. That was God saying, okay, do you believe now that this word is from me? The second thing that happened is Bratsepo saying, you are great, you are wonderful during the offering. That was not the song they prepared. I can tell you. But as we were praying during the intercessory prayer, I felt like that was the song that had to be sung before the word is shared. And I didn't want to say a word to him, but God did it. Don't be afraid to get confirmation from God. Amen. Is that encouraging for somebody today? But that is not my point. The point is, sometimes fear keeps us from seeing what God is about to do. Sometimes the fear of starting over. Sometimes it's a fear of what will people say. Sometimes it's a fear of failure, like I already alluded to. Sometimes it's a fear of not being good enough. You don't apply for a job because you feel like you're not good enough. You don't go and propose because you feel you're not good enough. <laughs> Hallelujah. And yet there could be a wife in front of you, but because... 
You're measuring yourself by Bunny Bunny's height and Bunny Bunny's account and Bunny Bunny's car. You're missing the wife walking. Okay, amen, I'm back. So God is not intimidated by your fear. Amen. But God wishes that that fear could just be moved so that he can do what he wants to do. You know the journey that God took Gideon on? When Gideon gathered soldiers, God said, oh, these people are too many. They're too many. I don't want. Because if you go and defeat the Midianites, you will think it's because your army is big. And God said, tell everybody who's afraid to go and sit at home. And they went home. And then God divided and divided and divided. And I think they were left with 300 soldiers. And they defeated the Midianites because it was God. Amen. Don't allow fear to hold you back. The second thing is pride and anger. Pride and anger can stop us from seeing what God is doing, the new thing that God wants to do. How, you may ask. Do you know the story of Naaman, the leper? There was a big army general in the Bible. His name was Naaman. And Naaman, okay, this is from the book of Judge uh, Kings. I did not put the, the chapter there, forgive me. It's not on my notes. Okay, Kings. But anyway, follow me, please. And Google Naaman. You'll find the scripture, Berean Church. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Naaman was a big general. He was a big army. He was, I mean, army general. He defeated, you know, big countries and battles and all of that. But Naaman had leprosy. Leprosy was a skin condition. In those days, a very terrible skin condition. But Naaman had leprosy. But God sent a servant girl who worked for them. And the servant girl told her, Madam, Madam, you see this thing that my boss has? If only he can go to see this prophet, he will be healed. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots. I'm reading from verse 9 of chapter something in the book of Kings something went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to greet me. Are you hearing this? Naaman is saying, do you know who I am? Does he know who I am? He couldn't even leave his bedroom to come and talk to me. Where I come from, there's respect. I came with chariots and horses and he doesn't even get to see the chariots and horses because he's in his room. But Naaman said, oh, I thought he would come out and meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprous and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Do you hear the attitude? I'm a very important person. I came all the way to see this thing. He won't even come out. Continue. Aren't the rivers in Damascus, the Abana, the Fapa, better than any of the rivers of Israel? 
Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and went, turned and went away in a rage. He's saying there are better places this guy could have sent me to. There are cleaner rivers. You know the nice beaches? Debeni, Cape Town. Guy, guy, when are you sending me to the Bengen? Like, dude, why? <laughs> Do you even know who I am? I can afford the flight. Like, God, if you're going to send me to go and minister, send me to Cape Town. Big, big cities. But God said, hey, when I want you to go and preach in Mulej. We're like, oh God, why? Why? I've been my Range Rover. Needs to smell the tar on the N1. Not dust and gravel. And yet God wants to use you for big, big things. Where he's sending you. But his officers, thank God for officers. Officers who fear God. They tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? They've seen this guy do big, difficult things. He's won wars and battles. He's like, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he simply says, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman, thank God he was listening. He went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. Do you see what anger and pride would have stolen from him? Do we see what anger and pride is stealing from us? Because you're given such a simple instruction. And you're thinking, hey, man, no man, but do you know who I am? We need to get rid of this, do you know who I am attitude? When it comes to matters of God's work. The third thing. Oh, speaking of anger and, and um, pride. Moses, do you remember the story of Moses? When the children of Israel were complaining, we want water, we want water, we are thirsty, we should have gone back to Egypt. Guy, guy, please, we didn't ask to be here. This was your idea, you and your God, we had enough of this desert, now we want water. Amen. First time God said to Moses, strike the rock. Moses struck the rock, water came. Second time, what did God say to Moses? Speak to the rock. But Moses was angry. He was very angry with the children of Israel at this time. And he decided he's going to go and strike the rock out of anger. Water came. That was not the issue. Because God will do what he wants to do regardless of your attitude. Amen. But there are consequences. And what did this cost Moses? The Bible says in, Romans, in, Rome, in Numbers 20 verse 9 to 12, we will not read it, but it says, God says in verse 12, but because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Anger, pride, can cost us the land that God wants to give us. Are you still with me? Amen. The third thing I'm going to share with you today is this attitude of familiarity. I know how God works. I wonder this God. I, we're like this. We've been doing this thing for long. And sometimes that is the thing that stops us from entering the land that God wants to give us. And that is the same thing again with Moses. Not only was he angry, but he had this attitude of familiarity. I've done this before. 
First time I struck, why should I talk now? Hi, we strike. We strike. That is how it works. Maybe God made a mistake. Maybe. Maybe this was not God. <laughs> you know, I no. God, I'm sure you meant strike. Familiarity. Let us not get comfortable hearing God's voice to a point where you think, I know, I know what you meant. Philip went to call Nathaniel in John 1 verse 46 when Jesus was choosing disciples. And what did Nathaniel say? Can anything good, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And in Nazareth, we know Nazareth. We can write a book about Nazareth. But can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was Nathaniel's attitude when he was being called by Philip to come and see Jesus, the Son of God. Thank God Nathaniel did not get stuck there. He went. Amen. And he saw Jesus. And Jesus said to him, you I saw you under a fig tree. And Nathaniel said, surely you must be the Son of God. Amen. I'm going through my scriptures quickly because I don't want us to waste time. I feel like God wants to do something at the end of the service. Amen. Also in Mark chapter 6 verse 1 to 5. When Jesus appeared in um, Nazareth. There were people who said, is that not the son of the carpenter? <laughs> Where did he get all this wisdom from? If a child stood here and preached to you on a Sunday morning. On a Sunday morning, Busi was supposed to speak. Busi is not available. You see Motel, Mogodi, standing here. How many of you will think it's a joke? Ah. <laughs> the father is the first one to put his hand up. You will think it's a joke because of familiarity. Is that not Motel that we saw growing up? Is that not Motel that we saw growing up? What can he say to us? Familiarity will stop us from seeing what God wants us to see. The Bible says that because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Imagine how much more Jesus would have done in a place where people believed. The fourth thing is we get married to methods. We can go back to Moses. He struck once. Second time he came to strike again. Method. God doesn't use methods. God is God. And the earlier we start to see that everything he does is new, the quicker we are able to move with him and see what he's doing. As I was thinking of methods, I remembered the story where there was a blind man, blind from birth. And he was there and Jesus was to heal him. And Jesus spat, you know spitting? And he, on mud, he mixed mud and he put it on the eye. If I came to you right now and I say, Wena, come here, I want to pray for you and I spit, will you even allow me to touch you? Will you? Let's be real here. We won't. Why? 
because you're thinking of all the things you could do. <laughs> you want to put your spit on me and I must stand and watch you do this. No, I'm not doing this. But that was the method that Jesus used to heal that man. He said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, sometimes we get stuck in the how instead of the who. We want to know, how is this thing going to happen? It's not enough that he has said it. You want to know the process, the procedure. We even want to correct God. Ah, God, no, not like that. You did it like that the last time. We get married to methods. And God wants to separate us from the method and take us to where he's going. Amen. There was another occasion where Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priests. I was talking to the ten lepers. Go and show yourself to the priests. Were they healed when he spoke? No. They still had leprosy when he was speaking. But he sent them to go and show themselves to the priests. Show what? Because they were not supposed to even be in public. But as they were going, that is where they found their healing. Amen. Go and show yourself to the priest. His method was different then. Because God is not stuck on methods. Let us not get stuck with methods. What if the lepers had said, heal us first. We want to see this healing. Then we'll go. No. They obeyed and they saw the healing on the way. Let us not be stuck to methods. Amen. So now that we know the things that blur our vision, what do we need to do differently, quickly? We need to be open to hear from God. Remember, I say open, I don't say perfect. God doesn't speak to perfect people. He speaks to open people. He speaks to willing people. He speaks to obedient people. The only thing God expects from you is obedience, not perfection. Perfection, he can take care of it. Obedience is what he needs. You need to be open to hear from God and believe his word. In Hebrews 11, there are verses there that speaks about Noah, how he obeyed God and he was saved because of his obedience. Amen. Floods were a new thing then. So imagine Noah building an ark. Imagine if somebody starts to build an ark right here in front of you, you will ask, what is this thing? Isn't this thing supposed to be on water? Where is the water? That's what Noah was dealing with. And he still kept on building. Then there was Abraham. God told him to leave home and go where he was being led to. Abraham's promise or the fulfillment of that promise depended on Abraham leaving. We need to be open to hear from God. And then there was Sarah. Sarah had been barren. And they said, you're going to be of child. And she was like, she laughed, actually. But then she had an openness that God can do this thing. And God did it. Amen. You need to be open to hear from people. Or humble to hear from people. If we think of Naaman again. Imagine if he said, this one is a servant. What does she know? She came as a slave. What does she know? Remember the example I gave about Mutel Muhodi coming to preach here? Humility, will you hear from him? God will use people to speak to you. Unless if you are like uh, Samuel, who's sleeping and he had Samuel. 
Samuel. And if you are like that, we thank God for you this morning. But most of the time in my experience, God speaks through his word. God speaks through people. If we are not open and humble to hear from people, we will miss this new thing that God is doing. The third thing is a willingness to go alone. God does not call a committee. Very rarely do you read in the Bible where God does a mighty thing and he gathers a crowd first. He calls one man, one woman. If you are waiting for God to reveal the vision to your husband or your wife, we will pray and pray and trust God. He does. I'm not saying he doesn't. But sometimes God wants you to believe his word alone and act on it alone. Remember, I've already spoken about people. So I'm not saying you don't consult. But if you want the person you're consulting with to agree and say, let's go together. He doesn't do that. You need to be willing to go alone. He said to Abraham, get up now. Leave. Leave your people and everything behind. When he saved Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot was trying to save the whole village. And the angel, the Bible says the angel dragged him out of that town together with his family. Because God will save you, sometimes kicking and screaming. But you need to be willing to go alone. The third thing I want to speak about, or the, the fourth, is take action. No matter how much you've heard from God, if you don't act, nothing will change. Last week, we heard during the message that you can look at the treadmill, admire the treadmill, clean the treadmill, switch it on, allow it to run. It will still be this new year, old booze. Because I have not done anything to change anything. Action is very important to see what God is doing. All the people that I've spoken about today, the one thing they have in common is they acted. They acted. Can I be daring and say something to you this morning? Even when you are not 100% sure, because I know there are some who are like me here, we want all the proof, go Gideon. Even when you are not 100% sure, anyway. God is big enough. He's big enough to rescue you. Do you remember the story of Peter? Peter says, if it is you, tell me to come. He got out of the, water, of the boat and he started walking on water. Did he get scared? Yes. Did he drown? No. Why? God rescued him. Jesus rescued him. He did not drown. Sometimes you need to act. Sometimes you need to make that phone call. Sometimes you need to send through that application. Start that business. Amen. Start that business. The one that you've been thinking about. The one that you see everybody else is doing, but God gave you this thing long before everybody else. Can I tell you a sad story? One of this Mr. Delivery thing. I have a proposal from... 2000 and something that I wrote, I called it Angels on Duty. Before Mr. Delivery, I don't know if they had started in Cape Town, but nah, there was no Mr. Delivery around me. I'd never heard of them. 
But I had this idea that what if there were people that could be sent on errands and do things? And I sat with it. Somebody else came up with it. Guess what? It's on my phone. Start that thing. That idea that God has given you, do it. If God says pray for that person, you pray for that person. Amen. Amen. That's the new faith I'm talking about. It's the scary kind. It's the kind that doesn't make sense. It's the kind that nobody will understand why you're doing what you are doing. That's the new faith I'm talking about. And that's the faith that makes us see the new thing that God is doing. So that picture there is just for memory. Listen. Be willing to listen to God. The second one there, be humble enough to listen to people. There's a picture of a mother there, and I'm, being, I'm assuming she's being guided by an older woman. The third one is be willing to go alone. Do you see that long stretch of road? Whoever took that picture, there was no car in front of them, but they were still going on that path. And the last one is take action. And the good thing about God is he gives us many takes. Take one. Take two. Take three. And the fact that you're still here, <laughs> you have another take. Amen. Is this practical? Is this helpful? Is this spiritual? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm going to encourage you. Can a worship team come up? I want us to pray. Can we stand up? And can we have the daring kind of faith this morning? If there's anybody here who doesn't know this God I'm talking about, it's very difficult for you to even see what he wants you to see. The vision is going to be very blurry if you don't know Jesus. So I want to start with anybody here who wants to say, I want to know this Jesus for status. I want to know Jesus. That is the first prayer that I want us to get through so that we can go on to the things that he wants to still do with us today. I'm not going to labor this point. I want to believe that everybody here knows this Jesus. Amen. If you don't know this Jesus and you want to talk to us separately, you're more than welcome to pull me aside after the service. But now we're moving on. This morning I feel like God wants you to dream again. Dream again. He wants you to see a new thing. We've been stuck. We've been stuck. And this morning, what is the one thing that in your mind it will be a miracle? Impossible. This is not doable. You've already decided by yourself this thing is not doable. Is there something? Do you have that? Think about it. Do you have it? Is there that something for you? And if you have that thing, I'm not going to ask you what it is, but I want you to put your hand up. And I want you to say, Father, I believe you for whatever it is. You say it to God this morning. He's your father. We will be excited to hear your testimonies later, but today you don't even have to tell us what it is. That impossible thing, that thing that they've told you will never happen.
today is the day that you bring it to your heavenly father and say, God, if it is really you, you need to do this. It's a daring kind of faith, remember. It's a daring kind of faith. Talk to your father about it because you told me you know Jesus just now. Say to Jesus, this thing, only you can do it. It could be a job for somebody this morning. You've sent applications. They've told you there are no vacancies in the field that you studied. They told you there are no jobs in Bulukwane. The market is saturated. You've had all the excuses. Today you're going to ask God, God, I need a miracle because this is something that only you can do. Is it a doctor's report that you've gotten? We don't care what is on that report this morning. That one is not our business. We are dealing with the who, remember? It's the who. And this morning, I, as I prepared, I asked God, God, what do you want to do in this service? It says, I want to do a new thing. I want to do a new thing. <laughs> I want to do a new thing. I want to answer a different kind of prayer this morning. The daring prayer. And I don't know what it is for you, but God knows. Take it to your father this morning. Church, we are quiet. And I hope the silence means that you are covered. But if you are not covered and you are keeping quiet, I want to challenge you to open your mouth and you speak to God. Say, Father, this thing only you can do it. Lord, only you can do it. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. Lastly, I want to invite anybody who's not well in their body. There's something that is not okay in you. You know what it is this morning. God wants to heal you. God wants to heal you. It is his will that you prosper in your health as well as your spirit. If you're brave enough, I'll invite you to come to the front. We'll pray for you quickly. But I feel like God wants to heal somebody this morning. God wants to heal you this morning. Please don't let this thing pass you by. Don't say, can anything good come out of people's church? Can anything good come out of this message? If anybody needs prayer for healing, please come to the front and we pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're still the same, God. You're still the one who heals our sicknesses. You're still the one that delivers us. You're still the one that makes pathways in the wilderness. And Lord, we release your children this morning in your presence, in your power, in your anointing, in your glory. Thank you for businesses that are about to start. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for exams that are to be passed because people will register for those courses. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for healing. Thank you for marriages that are restored. Thank you for workplaces that are restored. Thank you, Lord, for applications that are about to be approved and accepted. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for every blessing, physical, spiritual, that you have chosen to pour on your children this morning. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen.